This is Connected Nation, a podcast focused on all things broadband. From closing the digital divide to improving your internet speeds, we talk technology topics that impact all of us, our families, and our communities. On today's podcast, we talk with leadership for one of the nation's largest ag co-ops, Lando Lakes. Learn why the farmer-owned organization is now taking active steps to close the digital divide and how they hope to do it by partnering with a national nonprofit that works to grow civic leaders in under-resourced communities. I'm Jessica Denson, and this is Connected Nation. I'm Jessica Denson, and today I'm talking with Tina May, who serves as the Vice President of Rural Services at Lando Lakes. She also has been designated the lead for what's been dubbed the American Connection Project. Welcome, Tina. Thanks so much for having me, Jess. We're happy to have you today and to discuss this. this is exciting stuff. Uh, before we get into the American Connection Project, let's lay some foundation for our audience. I would say most of us know Lando Lakes from the butter that we see in the grocery aisle, uh, but the company is, of course, much more than that. Can you share a summary of how the company is structured as an agricultural co-op and maybe help us all understand what that even is? Yeah, you bet. So I like to say, uh, Land Lakes, yes, we are more than butter, but we're so much more than you think. We have about 1,600 dairy farmers across the country. These farmers own us in this member-owned cooperative. These dairy farmers uh, are geographically about where you might might think they'd be uh, for us uh, as a as a cooperative that's headquartered here in the Midwest and in um, Minnesota. Those dairy farmers are in Minnesota, Wisconsin. And then over on the East Coast, we have a, a number of farmers in Pennsylvania, and then as well on the West Coast out in California. Uh, we also uh, have about 1,000 ag retail owners. Uh, those are those uh, small town farmer owned co-ops, uh, a lot of grain elevators that you see that dot the landscape in, in rural communities when you're driving through. Uh, that is our Winfield United business. And through, through that uh, and collectively, uh, that is how we are in over 10,000 rural communities across the country uh, and touch uh, over 50% of the harvested acres in the country. Uh, in addition, we also own the large animal feed side of Purina. So I have been told that if if it uh, oinks or baas or moves, uh, Purina feeds it. But the the dog and cat side that is owned by uh, Nestle Purina. Uh, and then a cooperative. Uh, uh, sometimes I like to say that it's like what a B Corp was before B Corps were even a thing. Uh, the the members own us. And uh, it is our job uh, to uh, add value to their goods, uh, to market their products, and add value to their production through those branded products. And on, on the dairy side, that is butter. That is working in partnership with customers like Hershey's. Uh, and then those members receive a portion of profits in the form of patronage, which if you're uh, a publicly traded company, that would come in the form of a dividend payment. Uh, so we like to say that instead of exporting profits to Wall Street, those profits stay right in those rural communities where the product is grown or harvested. 
that's that's an awesome way to put it so that people can really understand how your company is structured and um, where things go. I, I, I'm, I'm going to put that in my description for sure. <laughs> it's no, uh, it's it's not a small amount. Uh, your revenue last I could find in 2018 was 14.9 billion. And now in 1921, it's your centennial year. So how's it going this year? Pretty good? Yes, we're very proud to be uh, hitting our 100th birthday um, this year, and uh, I think I think that just says a lot about who the farmers and those families are that own us, that they are committed to the strength and the longevity of the cooperative, their far- farm operations, and those rural communities where they they live and serve. Uh, and and I think um, looking ahead to the next 100 years, uh, I'm so excited to be to be on the team here at, at Land Lakes for what's in store for us. And uh, I mentioned in my intro that you are the vice president of rural services. Your focus is obviously on rural America, but can you expand upon that? What are you working toward in that framework? Yes. So really in a nutshell, to boil it down, uh, Land Lakes in these 10,000 rural communities where we're situated, right? Because we are a farmer-owned cooperative and those farmers make up our board of directors, we take the long view. We are already looking ahead to our next 100 years. It's, it's a very rare, uh, unique, truly incredible uh, business structure. And for Land Lakes to succeed and be around for 100 more years, we need healthy, thriving rural communities for our farmers and their farm families and their communities to succeed. Let's shift now to the work that um, Land Lakes is doing to connect rural Americans. This is something all of us at Connect a Nation are we care deeply about. Right now, it's estimated that 42 million Americans fall within what's called the digital divide, that gap between those who have access or can even afford the internet in their area. And rural areas are disproportionately impacted. A Pew Research Center survey found that one in four rural residents said access to high-speed internet was a major problem in their area. And the USDA released a 2019 report that 25% of U.S. farms had no access to the internet. Why does Lando Lakes believe it's so important to connect our rural communities? And why is it important that America's farm and ranches have that internet access? Yeah, I want to say thanks for calling out a couple things when you asked the question. 42 million Americans, I think it's hard to get your arms around the true size of that number because it's so big. The other thing we don't know about that number is we still don't know if that captures everybody that don't have access uh, or that are underconnected. Uh, so there's still a question mark around if that's the true scale of, of the actual number. And then, as you rightly pointed out, as you dig into that number, uh, it's it's one in four rural residents uh, that don't have access. And I like, too, that that Connected Nation uh, points out and does such good work on the affordability piece, too, because one thing that we do often see in rural places is that access to the Internet connection, you may have connection. It is probably maybe uh, not reliable. I know their heads nodding or people laughing about their poor connection. Uh, and, and it's expensive. It can be really expensive in rural places where you can be paying a hundred bucks a month for really low or poor speeds where you can't, you can't do something like a zoom call or, or, or something like two, two zoom calls in your house at one time uh, is, is near impossible. And as you mentioned, right, those, those farming communities, these rural places, 
um, they're falling behind if they don't have access, right? It, it is the economic unlock uh, for a community. If you can have access to reliable, affordable, high-speed internet in a permanent way, you have access to so much. And without it, you simply are going to be left behind. And I think that fundamentally is why it's so important that our organizations are, are partnering together in this work, because it's going to take so many of us pulling together to, to change the game for these rural places. Yeah, um, I would I would echo that, that it's really has to be done in partnership because it is a huge uh, undertaking and and so vital, and I think the pandemic really changed that conversation. Uh, let, let's dive a little, just a little bit more, and then why it's important to farming. Um, Zippy Duval is is the uh, president of the American uh, Farm Bureau Federation, and uh, he sits on our board. And I've been to his dairy farm, and he's talked a lot about the fact that farms and dairy farms, they're becoming much more automated, a lot of technology behind them. Can you expand a little bit about some of the things that are going on within the farming and ranching industry where internet and technology collide and it's really important? Yeah, absolutely. And I do want to give a shout out to Zippy. Zippy is uh, He's Zippy's awesome. Yes, he is. And I think too, uh, his team is great. Uh, and American Farm Bureau Federation, they're also a partner with us in Connected Nation and the American Connection Project. And um, Zippy and his team at the Farm Bureau Foundation are partners with us in the American Connection Corps, which I know we'll, we'll talk about in a, in a couple minutes. But I will say, and nobody knows this better than Zippy, because he, he uh, also is, is a farmer, um, farming as a business is incredibly complex. You're watching all of these drivers every day, and you need to make all of these decisions in real time. And technology is fundamental to the decision-making on a farm, just like it is with any business. And these tech tools or digital tools, they can help provide the insights from the data that is necessary to improve the decision-making. And for us, that's really where our business units come into play. Uh, we have a business unit, Trotera, that's focused on farm sustainability. Uh, and that's all about the decision-making and the ROI of conservation practices on the farm for both row crop and, and dairy. And on dairy, right, you're talking about robotic milkers, everything is connected in a, in a modern dairy farm. Uh, everybody likes to use the example of Fitbit for cows. Uh, we had a, a dairy farmer we talked to during the height of the pandemic. Um, she, she farms in eastern Wisconsin. Uh, she farms, she has four, four boys at home. And in addition to farming, her husband runs a small business. And during the call we were having to talk about her problems with connectivity on her call, she got kicked off the Zoom a couple times, right? She was hauling her kids uh, into town where they had better connection to do the distance learning homework. Uh, and her husband had to wait uh, until the evening uh, when not as many people were going to be online uh, when he could do the invoicing work for his small business. So we hear examples like that all the time of how farm families and those in rural places have all of these workarounds. Uh, and I think that's that to me, um, it just highlights the grit 
and resilience of people that live in these small towns that we love so much, uh, but they deserve better, right? They, they shouldn't have to have these workarounds. I, I would agree with that completely. They should not have to do these workarounds. Um, my CEO calls farmers the original innovators in America because they've had to be. Speaking to that grit that you mentioned, because of the pandemic, which I briefly mentioned a moment ago, uh, many lawmakers, lawmakers and decision makers have, have put a lot of money towards this problem. There's money in the Reconnect Fund. There's $65 billion in the infrastructure bill for broadband. There's money in the Coronavirus Capital Projects Fund. How would Orlando Lakes and the thousands of farmers associated with the group, how would you like to see that spent and used in these areas? Is it to improve affordability? Is it to improve infrastructure? What, or is it some combination thereof? I'm really glad you asked this question. Most recently, the American Connection Project Policy Coalition, which Connected Nation is a member of, uh, along with 175 Uh, other organizations from a a very broad swath of industries, ag and healthcare and technology and and finance and education. Uh, We all work together to actively support uh, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, uh, which was passed and signed into law. And as you mentioned, delivers a historic $65 billion investment in broadband. And that's that's a huge number. But we collectively, Connection, Connected Nation included, uh, had done some work a number of years ago to understand that the scale of the problem was going to take one, over $100, $100 billion to really close this gap and bring reliable, affordable, high-speed internet to every home, every farm, uh, every small town in the country. And I will, I will say uh, in that infrastructure bill, it's more, uh, it's more than bridges and road, roads. It, it's uh, about building a complete ecosystem in this current modern day and age that we can use to meet the challenges of today and tomorrow. And I think if you're farming, that has to include broadband in order to get your goods to market in addition to roads and bridges. So we we do applaud Congress for working across the aisle in a bipartisan way to get this bill passed. We're so proud of working with our partners uh, and advocating together. I think it's I think it highlights if you work together uh, with unlikely partners, what you what you can get done. I think, though, too, I do want to say implementation of a bill is the fourth quarter of a ball game, and we are not taking our eye off the ball. There's a ton of work left to be done to ensure that this funding goes to where it's needed most, and uh, we are putting uh, together implementation principles right now uh, with our American Connection Project partners to really hold the administration and, and those lawmakers accountable to where this money uh, needs to go. And that's something we're building out right this moment today. Uh, and we're looking forward um, to working with others on this. Well, let's explore the American Connection Project a little bit more. Uh, it's made up of three pillars. You mentioned the 175 Uh, companies and organizations. Also, you're working on rural broadband efforts, bringing Wi-Fi to parking lots and more permanent solutions, and with the American Connection Corps. Uh, Tell us about how this particular fellows effort came to be and and how, I know you said you guys are talking about things right now, about what the next steps are, but can you kind of give us a little direction on exactly how the American Connection Project is working and, and how it's fashioned and shaped? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking the question. So 
I like what you mentioned your boss said about farmers as the original innovators. And for me, when I talked about grit and resilience, if there's a problem to solve on the farm, or if you're a business owner or uh, an employee at a business in a small, small rural community, you just get it done, right? You just find a way. And I think that's what Land O'Lakes uh, embodies that value, value system of those farmers that own us. You just dig in and you find a way. And when, when the pandemic hit, we knew, of course, that this problem existed in rural America, that rural was disproportionately underconnected. So one thing we did right away is we started turning on free public Wi-Fi at Land O'Lakes owned uh, plants, facilities, warehouses. And then we would boost this to the parking lot. And then we would put a notice out in the community and say, hey, if you need free internet to do distance learning, telemedicine appointments, right, job applications, whatever it is, you can pull into our parking lot and get connected. And then we asked uh, our partners to do the same thing. And very quickly, we turned on 3,000 free public Wi-Fi locations in 49 states. The sad thing about it is that this was really heavily utilized. Uh, it was something that we saw people pulling up and using even in the smallest of uh, towns and one unincorporated town in, in Iowa had done this. And, and there were people that were pulling up to use this um, all the time a very, at the very beginning part of the pandemic. We then pivoted that uh, into turning on or bringing a permanent uh, internet solutions to communities, working with internet service providers, and really convening meetings and saying, hey, uh, we see that you're in the community, the community in the next county over, can you bring your reliable internet speeds uh, into this community over here? And uh, holding people accountable, I'll, honestly, it's a lot of cold calling to see if people are interested in jumping in and working with us. Uh, but then, of course, before COVID hit, we had started working on um, this policy component. And the Policy Coalition is where we have those 175 members. As we were working on policy and we were starting to see that we had movement, that we we started to see that this bill was going to get done. The, the next thing we really tried to think through was, okay, so if we are going to get past this monumental once in a generation, maybe once in a lifetime tranche of funding, are these rural communities going to have what they need in order to raise their hand and say, hey, help me over here in this community. And what I mean by that is a lot of these rural communities have part-time city clerks. They have volunteer mayors. And honestly, a lot of people don't know that. When I have conversations with people, they're like, what? Volunteer mayors? Right? And Jess, a lot of times, Jess, in the communities we work with, that's that's totally normal, right? Where the the fire chief is the mayor, right? Is the local, um, the local co-op employee, right? They just, they do everything, right? They have... Um, there's this heartbeat for service in so many of these rural communities. So that spark of an idea around, hey, we need to engage and help these communities get access and information around what this bill is going to in, in, be, what is going to be included in this bill. So we worked with an organization called Lead for America to start the American Connection Corps. This is 50 individuals, 50 professionals who are recent community college and college grads 
that very intentionally are moving back to their hometowns for a two-year fellowship to work on issues around connectivity. This just started. These fellows uh, just moved back to their home communities and got started in September. And we're already seeing what a difference this this new energy uh, can bring to these places. Uh, I'll highlight one of the fellows in Illinois uh, has already deployed 110 computers uh, to people who didn't have any access to that hardware. And then we have another fellow um, who has already worked on um, bringing a total of over $50 million in uh, funding to her community for broadband initiatives. So it's a, it's a ripple effect. Uh, we're super excited about what the future holds here. It's a, it's a new idea. We're very excited to be working with Weed for America and the 20 other partners that are working on this with us. That's a, a unique idea, bringing people to the area to, to work and live and really create um, for those two years. I, I know you have limited time because I know you have a lot of work to do. Would you like to leave us with any final thoughts or what you would, li- you would like to see happen next, Tina, in a perfect world uh, where we have internet connectivity in rural America? Well, I wish I could stay and talk longer. So thanks so much for having me on. I think, you know, ultimately what we want to see is what I, what I mentioned before, right? Every, every farm, every barn, every small rural community that we love and live in uh, is, is connected. And really the understanding that the success of America's rural and urban communities are inextricably linked and we here at Land Lakes are working to keep that connection strong and top of mind for all. That's a great place to leave it. Um, I really appreciate you taking your time with us. I do know you're busy because it, we, it we had to work at getting some time to talk. So I wish you luck and a great holiday season. Uh, and as, as things progress, I would love to have you back on to talk further about how it's going, um, how the fellowship is, the, fellow, the fellows are working and how things are progressing. I would love to talk about that if you're open to it. Yeah, I'd love that too. Thank you. Again, my guest today was Tina May, the Vice President of Rural Services for Lando Lakes and the lead for the American Connection Project. I'll include links to the company, the American Connection Project, and data referenced in our conversation today in the description of this podcast. I'm Jessica Denson. Thanks for listening to Connected Nation. If you like our show and want to know more, head to connectednation.org or look for the latest episodes of Connected Nation on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Pandora, or Spotify.